welcome to Eve Talking in Stations. This is our fifth episode, and we are here with a special guest today, um, CCP Noel Arbor. We'll meet him in just a minute. First, I want to uh, say hello to the panel. We have a, a little larger panel than normal, because we have some extra guests that uh, we're happy to have here. So uh, let's just go around the board here, with uh, starting with Tiberius. Hello, Tiberius. Yeah, he's a member of this corporation within Northern Coalition. Our editor-in-chief for Eventy, Drayden. Uh, Drayden uh, from Open Comp Show, and uh, we'll get short. <laughs> Dirk. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Dirk McGurk, also from the Open Comp Show, member of the uh, Bastion Alliance with MPX Gaming Corp. Right, we also have Ash Tarathi. Hey, I'm Ash Tarathi. I'm mostly just here to figure out clever ways of telling you that Dreaded is recruiting. <laughs> Uh, and we have from the uh, Clueless Space Nerds uh, podcast, which is a great podcast, we have Dominark. Good evening. This is Dominark, Clueless Space Nerds. I'm here to not try to screw things up. <laughs> All right, and our guest today is CCP Null Arbor. Nullabor. How, uh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> yeah, it's Nullabor. Yeah, everybody asks me about that name. <laughs> it's pretty much a hooked down phonics name. Actually, I wanted to ask you, though, a little bit more about your name, because I think the last time you and I talked, we were uh, we had a discussion uh, for EN24's podcast, which I was running at the time, and we talked about your name, and your name was uh, No Trees, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's actually the name of a desert in Australia, and it's got some Latin origins and indigenous origins in Australia, and it means no trees which is really, I think, fitting when, once you move to Iceland, because there's seriously no trees in this country. Because <laughs> it sounds very Latin, like, because yeah, it's and, indigenous. Uh, I, yeah, I guess, they, they, I don't know where they, how they managed to merge that uh, Latin and indigenous name together. But yeah, it's the name of a big desert that separates some from Perth in Australia, and that desert separates Perth from the rest of the world, basically. So. Were you an Eve player before you got started? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I played, uh, I've been playing since uh, 2006. Can you tell us where you are from? <laughs> um, I have flown with some Australian time zone corps. Um, I have been in NullSec, I've been uh, Faction Warfare, and all sorts of stuff in between. Okay. So you weren't like Bob, <laughs> Band of Brothers? Uh, not that I would admit to. <laughs> That's what I figured. You weren't the T20 guy, were you? All right, so let's get started. We obviously want to talk about Citadels. There's definitely a war going on. It's a big time to like, you know, be in combat and fighting other people and stuff like that. But wow, right behind us is these Citadels and capital changes that are coming that are going to change the entire landscape right in the middle of a war. So uh, how far, you know, how are things going with Citadels? Yeah, it's going really well. And I tell you what, it doesn't rain, it pours. It's, uh, it's all happening at once at the moment in EVE. We've got FanFest coming up as well, so this, it's a really exciting time. Um, but the Citadels are going really well, and this is a, it's been a long time coming. You know, we announced this like FanFest last year, so for the better part of a year, we've been designing and thinking about this and, and working on it up until this release coming up in just under a month. So 
But uh, it's looking really good. It's on Singularity now. Um, pretty much everything we want in is in, and we're just sort of in, in fixing things mode and making sure everything works okay. So you're not, um, after this, we'll, everybody can ask any questions you want, but uh, are you done testing or is it constantly testing? Oh, no, we'll be testing right up until the release. There's always, you know, little things that you find um, right in the corners of some feature of a, of a bit of a UI somewhere. Or, But, um, yeah, the definitely the uh, – we have we have a lot of, like, detailed graphs, how fast the defects come in and how fast we fix them, and things are trending towards a good place at the moment. So we're pretty happy with how things are going. Awesome. So I actually had a question, which was that with all of this stuff going on with the war and uh, all of that shenanigans, obviously a lot of your main communication channels are being basically clogged by propaganda. And at the same time, this also, like all of that additional excitement is, of course, super good for EVE as a whole. So which side of the fence do you do you fall on on that? Is like all of this additional uh, buzz taking away from your ability to maybe do your live tests or get your feedback, or have you seen that additional excitement also translate into better testing? Um, you know what, I haven't actually looked at the numbers, like whether our mass tests are, are up or down, but you know, any, like just activity in EVE I think is just good for the whole system of EVE, and that, that's going to include the testing, it's going to include feedback. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, propaganda to wade through especially on reddit but um that's all <laughs> you know that, that keeps your spirits and motivation high as well we all enjoy all of that so but no the, we're not short on um you know participants in the mass tests that we've been doing and we're getting a lot of good defects you know reported from from bug hunters and people just testing on singularity we actually had uh, the testing system uh, in cc at the moment had like 2000 citadels or something deployed in it so we're, we're getting some serious <laughs> coverage on this uh, now I had a, uh, I mean obviously there's gonna be like small little bugs and and things that are, you know, brought up here and there. But I mean, uh, when you guys put it on Sissy, was everything for the most part working, like as intended? Like everything was, uh, you know, no no big giant things that you had to like go back and like recomplete structure something or. No, not really. I mean, uh, you, what you usually see on the first few days in Sissy is really little things that are broken that have really impact. And it's not a big deal to fix it, but people really notice how, you know, like it's a jarring experience or something might be completely broken. Um, but no, we haven't really, like we haven't had to go back to the drawing board and anything. The, the design is pretty solid and uh, how we've sort of set all of this up has been, um, it's looking pretty good. So, no, we're in a really good place, I think, for, for such a large release. Uh, we're we're uh, pretty confident about it. And this is actually the first time you're getting back to big releases, right? Like uh, we went through a period about two and a half years of kind of incremental uh, improvements to EVE Online. But this is the first time you really have like a, a showstopper uh, release, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything sort of bundled together and thematically tied together, I think, is the, the interesting thing about this release. You know, we've we've been putting out a lot of stuff over the last few years, but we've been doing it in tiny little pieces, which is kind of great from a, you know, a risk management point of view, we can like uh, see how these individual changes affect the game. And um, this, it means that there's constant, you know, change going on, but it doesn't have that as such a big impact, you know, um, that, the, you know, sort of the marketing behind it and this sort of the excitement and the anticipation of it. It's kind of cool that we can wrap this, the citadels and the capital changes and everything sort of themed together as like a really big release. It's, it's, it's exciting. And I think that, player reaction, the community reaction to it sort of shows that, that it's got some real value to it.
Yeah, I think um, when CCP changed to the original, uh, from the the twice yearly release to the regular ones, um, one of the things that I was certainly worried about and, and sort of matter and I discussed was the build up to um, the marketing and everything else that comes around the big releases. And now it's kind of do lots of little bits and pieces. And then you have one big thing to look forward to that the entire team and the entire company can get behind and the whole gaming community can also get behind as well. And it's been really great to see people just certainly from my point of view, at least anyway, for the last year, I've just been, Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait for these things. I can't wait for these things. And then we get up to the test server and we see these things for the first time and just blowing everybody away on, and how good they are. And the models of the citadels themselves are just amazing with all the little lights and everything, you know, flitting around over them. You know, they're really, really great work. And I'm really looking forward to the uh, expansion. If all we're going to do is fanboy, I'm definitely going to add my, <laughs> add my uh, praise to the mix. You know, you're absolutely correct, uh, Tiberius. You know, having read all the stats and everything before, or did not prepare me to finally see it in, in action. So congratulations on well, that success at the very least. You actually tested it a lot, right? I mean, you were streaming your two-hour test of, uh, of it live, I believe, right? Yeah. And you're the yeah, one that caught that explosion? Somewhere. That's correct. I, was, uh, I just happened to have the camera pointed at the right time, that first time that that large citadel exploded and showed off the new explosion. Whew. Yeah, was that... Uh, uh, Nalarba, was that... Um, debris that we saw flying out from that explosion yeah and actually we've changed it since then as well there's like smoke rings that come out of it it's it's really spectacular you need to almost put some sunglasses on before it explodes uh it's really cool they've they've the the artwork on these uh right from the start of this you know we said uh we want to have something that has like a lot of the functionality and a lot of the promise and the dream that the pos was supposed to have but they should look spectacular as well you know they should be you know visually aspirational is the term that we've been using and the guys really just hit it out of the park with these I think they there's just some uh, there's all new graphics tech that was written to render them specifically uh, we've got a, we've got like all the bells and whistles and the great explosions and the little lights and bits animating and it it really just shows how much like um, uh, effort the the art guys put into these it looks just spectacular I think the promise and the dream of what the pause was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, the hope, the hopes and dreams of pauses so long ago. Um, I, I do want to back up just a little bit because there's probably a number of people out there that haven't been on Sissy and really haven't taken a look, you know, at, at these, not just from what they look like, but, but some of the, uh, some of the basics. Um, so if maybe you can kind of just go through a little bit of, of um, kind of what are the sizes of the deployables for for a medium large extra large what types of ships you know you're going to need to be able to deploy these how long they take to to anchor and online what their vulnerability is during that time yeah sure so we have the we have three sizes and they start at the medium um the astrahus it's about 50 kilometers 60 kilometers across and um this is the this is the unit that will um Cost at the moment on the market, it's about a billion. The price has gone up um, with everybody hoarding all the the PI materials. Um, and this is your home for you know corps, or, or they might be staging platforms for alliances sort of dotted around. Uh, they can 
dock everything up to uh, not including capital ships, but you can put freighters and orcas can dock in them as well. And they're kind of, I, I think there'll be a bit of a workhorse for people. We're going to see a lot of these mediums deployed just in every system, on every gate, and <laughs> and they can hold their own as well. Um, they all take, all the sizes will take uh, 24 hours to deploy, but you don't have to babysit it for the whole 24 hours. You just drop it down and we've got some cool new um, UI for positioning them and setting the hours of vulnerability each week and giving them a name. Um, and then you come back the next day at the same time just to make sure that nobody shoots it when it um, uh, when it finally comes out of reinf uh, or out of anchoring. Um, and then the the large and the XL is the same. It's 24 hours to anchor them. Um, they're much bigger. The large will dock capital ships inside of them. Um, that one's costing upwards of 10 billion isk at the moment, I think. Um, and the extra large uh, is the one that you can put all your titans in. If it's the doomsday weapon, it has the most hit points and the most module slots and all that kind of stuff. And this one is, I can't remember the current price. It's, it's over 100 billion. It's about, I think, 140 or maybe even more now. It's The now, market's sort of gone crazy. <laughs> those are, those are base prices for the structure itself, not including rigs or modules or things like that, right? That's correct. So when you... When you deploy the structure, uh, you're going to get a place that you can dock. You're going to get a place that you can refit your ship, and you go, you'll get corporation offices which you can rent out to anybody. Uh, you everybody gets a personal hangar. Uh, you can um, direct deliver items between characters, and uh, you'll get the tethering for free, which is the safety system when you you know undock. Uh, so you get a lot of stuff for free, and and it doesn't consume any fuel. Uh, so the base hull is, it's, you know, it's pretty. For it's, it sounds expensive, but you get a lot of stuff out of the box basically. And then you fit them with modules, and they have high, medium, low slots, exactly the same as ships do. And the what you would usually expect for those kind of modules, you'll see, you know, high slots with missile launchers. You'll have mid slots with electronic warfare and low slots for fitting upgrades and stuff like that. And then we've added a new set of slots called the service slots. And those are where you'll upgrade the structures to have extra functionality, stuff like uh, installing a market or adding reprocessing facilities. And um, we've added cloning and jump cloning into uh, this release as well. So those are all upgrades and those will take consumed fuel and you'll be able to put them on all the different size structures. Yeah, Dirk, uh, I was just looking at this old uh, footage from Exodus, which was probably the second or third expansion for EVE. And... It really does look like they had big dreams for pauses. If you look at the way they marketed this stuff. You know, Hilmar actually sent me the original design documents for the POS system um, as we were developing this. And it's funny, you read through the document and it kind of reads like it's describing the Citadel release. You know, like there was, uh, they had that same vision, you know, of, of what structures should be in EVE. It's kind of always been the same vision and the same design. Um, now we've just... We've, we're having another go at it, and we're really giving it the time it deserves to to sort of solidify this as a like a first class kind of citizen in Eve that structures can exist with the same kind of capabilities that ships have, and it's really exciting that we're we're kind of seeing all of that, uh, the uh, uh, quite a long effort sort of come to fruition now. It is worth noting, however, that citadels are not completely replacing passes now. There are several key functionalities of POSs that Citadels are not going to replace, such as moon mining and uh, your laboratory and um, 
invention and manufacturing stuff. Yeah, that's right. And for now, we're not even touching anything to do with POSs or outposts. We're going to, you know, float these structures and see how they go and learn from them and tweak them. Um, but definitely, there's a couple of key features. Uh, manufacturing is a really big one. Uh, contracts are missing to bring them up to par with outposts, but we're going to work uh, really hard to get that in as soon as we can. Um, and then, obviously, the moon mining and repros uh, uh, um, reactions is a really big one. We, you see a lot of POSs deployed for that particular purpose. So that's it's on our radar. It's, it's definitely something we would like to hit um, with future structure releases. And the secret to this is it's not uh, when you see these other functionality uh, arrive in the new structures, they're not going to be in citadels. You know, citadels are the the class of structure that we're releasing now. But we're designing the system to really mimic a lot like uh, how ships work. So if you imagine uh, the Astrohus is a, uh, the equivalent of a Manticore and Citadel is a stealth bomber. Uh, but we're going to add battleships and mining ships and other things, you know, these different classes of structures that will have certain bonuses on the hull that are designed for the activities that it's designed for. Things like manufacturing, for intel gathering, for mining and all these other you know, areas of the game. So this is just the first release of structures and we're definitely going to be having uh, more structures with different purposes. So when the, the drilling platforms and, and those come out, they won't necessarily be citadels. They'll be specific to what their function is. That's right. And they'll, they'll work similar. You know, this is the whole idea with this um, system that we've sort of set up is that they'll have fitting slots and you'll be able to anchor them and dock in them and shoot at them and they'll be able to shoot back. They'll all have guns and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of the same um, functionality that you get out of the box. It's just that that particular structure is going to have like hull bonuses the same way that ships have hull bonuses to certain weapon systems or to mining or whatever and different capabilities will be unlocked with certain um, diff uh, structure types so we're kind of just borrowing the same pattern the thing that's worked really well with ships and eve the fitting game and that yeah. that uh, the design of that system and just putting that into structures it seems like everything's doing that i mean capitals seem more like subcapitals now and it looks like structures are joining that so everything's familiar that's like an attempt to like reduce the learning curve, right? Because you don't have these really strange other systems that work completely differently than what you're already used to. Yeah, and but, it's also it's just for our benefit as well. You know, if uh, if it's all kind of works the same as ships, then we can iterate on it faster. We can put more content into it because this is a a pattern that we're used to, and it's it's sort of designed. The game's designed for putting in content this way. So um, it's just more. It's just. It's better from our point of view. It's better from a player like learning perspective that everything sort of functionally works the same. It's all very different stuff, you know, ships for mining and shooting and uh, stations for reprocessing or manufacturing. But, you know, if you teach the same uh, a pattern for how things work, then, then players kind of just get it straight away. How is that now, schedule uh, coming, by the way? Is everything compressed? Because, I mean, you were going to have Citadels out last year and it was going to be probably, we thought, you know, your five-year five-year plan was going to run out in two and a half years, I think. So does this mean that those structures are coming, are going to come quicker than expected after Citadels? Well, I, I can't speak for when exactly you'll see the next lot of structures or when you, we could expect to like be complete, you know, feature complete with POS or anything. That's, there's a lot of unknowns before we could arrive at, at a date on that. Um, but I can say that the first structure was always going to be the hardest because that one we have to the citadel we have to get everything 
that's common across all of the structures in place first. So that's why this this one has taken quite a long time. Um, yeah. We we originally pushed. We were uh, we were aiming towards the end of the year last year, but we weren't going to ship the Excel, and we weren't going to ship the market, and the capitals were sort of weren't in the picture as well. So. Uh, we ended up pushing it into this year so that we could roll all of that stuff together and sort of have a bigger thematic expansion. Well, one more question um, from me. Oh, sorry, one more question uh, from me. The, 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 um, the thing is that after a while, you are going to remove uh, pauses and you are going to remove stations, right? And this, these are going to be re replacing, not stations, but outposts. So yeah, I mean, that's the intention, but uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Uh, there's a lot of there's still a lot of unknown questions like how do we how we're even going to do that um, but the intention is that this is meant to be a sort of replacement a better version of of POS and outpost well, that, oh okay that well, was kind of oh sorry Are you dead? I'm sorry the I was wondering about the reimbursement because you guys talked about that a long time ago like you're going to get reimbursed for all the stuff you put out before when these things replace pauses and, and outposts and I always wondered, is there going to be a war for reimbursement? Are people going to like capture as many stations as possible before that ticker stops? Yeah, no, that depends how we do it. Yeah, totally to tell, yeah. I guess. But we obviously can't just take everyone's stuff away and say, sorry, we're not going to get any value from it. We'd much rather give you something that you could use to then replace that functionality with um, the newer structures. So. But exactly how that works, we still, we really don't know. We we have, we're... We're sort of laser focused on just making this release really good and solid, and and uh, make sure that this is a better version, and then we'll talk about like migrating away from the old stuff. I totally think well, you can take everything away. I'm fine with that. Drayden? No, uh, you actually asked my question. I was going to ask oh, them how sorry. they were going to be implementing these and getting rid of the outposts, and like if they were just going to replace them and like put uh, citadels in their place, or were they going to just force everyone to just go put up their own citadels somehow? So. It'd be cool to see a war over territory, right? Like an incentive to fight. Anyway. Well, like you said that um, these citadels are only the first of several structures. And if I remember correctly, originally in the first blog, there was going to be nine. And this was the first as being markets and custom or the offices. That was, that was the heart of citadels. But then later on, you guys made a very big point to say that this is your castle. This is your, this is the fortress that you, that you start with. And so, I guess my question is, is that as these other structures are coming out, are they designed to operate in support of each other? Or is that kind of like what you're what you're going for is that eventually somebody will have like a cluster of these structures all doing different things, kind of like how you have a POS and you hang things on a POS now? Or are they expected to be like all separate divided things and you just decide decide what your structure will be on any given point? Yeah, we're not going to have them like uh, like connected together or anything. You know, there was a there was a dream or design many years ago of like the modular pod system. Um, Voltron. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the the idea now is that no, there's there these are separate entities. Uh, the same way that you have ships with different fittings, um, they can be close to each other. You know, we're going to have you, you within visible distance of each other within a thousand kilometers, but they're not going to be like physically attached to each other. But absolutely, you'll have different structures for different purposes. You know, you'll have a, 
like some uh, an extra large sort of manufacturing facility for building titans and then you'll have a different platform for extracting resources and you know reprocessing stuff and the citadel is the home this is the one that's going to have the best bonuses for defense it gets the most damage output it's got the shortest vulnerability hours it's got the most hit points that kind of stuff so it's really the one where you're most comfortable putting all of your stuff but in comparison to the newer structure, the, the the next lot of structures, they'll definitely be a lot more vulnerable and a lot more fragile than the citadels are. Well, I guess my question yeah, is, will that will you be able to use your citadels to defend the other structures, or are they going to be required to be so far away from each other? Like, is do you build up around your castle and use your castle to defend against sieges, or is each structure kind of on their own? No, each structure is on their own, um, and that's really important part of the design because um, as soon as you let people blob stuff then design balancing gets extremely difficult which we see with ships so the nice thing about structures is that we can give them these like crazy AOE weapons and doomsdays that like zap lightning through space and kill everything because we know that there's only ever one of them affecting that group of ships at once uh, so there'll never there'll never be like an overarching like a, a lap a, a overlapping arc of fire between two structures um, but what you might see is more um, uh, structures which help defend your space, you know, your system and your sovereignty or th other structures that might be giving, you know, system-wide bonuses to things in space. Um, so more of an indirect kind of thing, but not not like uh, you'll anchor a bunch of towers around your Titan building facility so they can all shoot at the same spot. Um, that's specifically been avoided because of uh, a lot of issues like we see with titans flying around these days i mean these these citadels have some serious teeth in them. some of the weaponry like the doomsday for example is, yeah. is you're seeing that now incredible. on screen you're seeing the doomsday lightning weapon i don't know what it's called what's that one called Tiberius. it's the arcing oh. voltron projector <laughs> it's really called voltron I can't, something like that. <laughs> I, I just call it space lightning. Yeah, chain lightning. Is, uh, lightning is this the what's currently on CC at the moment the only planned set of weaponry? Or because at the moment it's missiles and doomsdays and bomb launchers. Um, are there potentially other different types of weapon systems that might be in the mix, like maybe laser systems or hybrid systems or things like that? Um, I definitely wouldn't rule out having additional types of weaponry added, um, but it is very, uh, it's sort of very carefully chosen that the weapons on citadels or the structures are, are missile based and AOE based um, because you can't really do uh, tracking calculations. You can't really have, you know, like how you have, you know, hybrid guns or whatever, artillery, because they rely on you maintaining an angular velocity around the the thing that's shooting you but when the thing that's shooting you is 200 kilometers wide it's very hard to maintain angular velocity so all of the damage that's coming out of uh, citadels is all signature based it's all uh, the same and uh, explosion velocity based the same way that missiles calculate uh, but having said that we've got uh, direct target damage we've got uh, AOE to, uh, like uh, uh, tracking bomb launches. Uh, we've got the point defense battery, which is sort of similar to a smart bomb, and this the the doomsday that you're seeing on the screen now. So, we've we've tried to vary it up as much as possible uh, within f fitting within those constraints of shooting from such a big thing. 
It, it's also worth noting that the, uh, what is it, the point fence battery has the visual effects of just like a thousand guns just spraying am ammo into the air. So it, it definitely gives the illusion of being supported by turrets in a way that's actually really cool to watch. Yeah, it's awesome. And it shoots friendlies, so be careful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gotta be careful with that one. <laughs> uh, just a couple quick questions, um, because I honestly don't know this. It, is there any size that has anything like a captain's quarters in it? No, there's no, there's no cap, there's no like uh, walking around in your uh, avatar in any of these structures. Where, there's but, no walking in citadels. There's no walking in citadels. <laughs> oh. What about there spinning? Is, there is talking in citadels. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but and we've also uh, we said we originally weren't going to, but we've got a uh, a hangar scene now, so you can look outside the structure and inside at your ship. And we had to make a new hangar for the uh, the Titans and Supercaps as well because they're so big they don't fit in the normal hangars. Are they still going to have a spin counter for your ship? You can't spin the big ones. I asked about <gasps> that, but no, they don't fit. <laughs> There's no room to spin them around. Um, but a, a question related to um, um, mainly high sec. This boils down to, I think. But si since the base structure doesn't require fuel. Um, what happens to these things if they get abandoned? And, and and really, I'm thinking more along the lines of kind of the mediums, you know, the, that will probably get put down in a lot of places all over HiSec. Um, what is the cleanup for these? I mean, we you know we faced it with with pauses on moons and having to declare war to kind of clean up space junk. Yeah, and that's it's it's two part problem. Um, one is just war decks, and um, that system could definitely be better to help encourage people, you know, cleaning that up. Um, but the other, I mean, the other main difference is that uh, pauses shoot back when they're not, uh, when nobody's manning them, but citadels don't. So if nobody's there, uh, you can just solo it. You know, an Astra house is like, a, you know, a couple of, like two or three battleships can get that job done pretty easily. Uh, you could even do it in a, in a stealth bomber if you were um, patient enough. So, it's going to be pretty low barrier to entry if nobody's there to actually defend it. And I think it, that's what's going to help like clean them up, basically. I mean, since they're not clogging up moons, it's not as much of an issue from, from that standpoint. But uh, is there anything to do with, you know, let's call it system resources, um, if you have a system that is just in blanketed with these things? Cheetah. Uh, no, uh, they won't. You won't be able to deploy them in some systems. So the trade hubs, uh, the starter systems for new players and stuff like that. Um, but no, we are just going to see how it goes. I think, um, and we'll see how much interest there is in cleaning them up, and maybe some changes to game mechanics in the future make that easier. Um, I, I wouldn't rule out that we would we would tweak. Uh, uh, how vulnerable these things are or put in some kind of mechanic like it hasn't been used in 30 days or whatever. But uh, for now, we're just going to see how it goes. So we're really interested to see what people do with this. Is there a situation where um, two enemy citadels could be placed close enough to each other to attack each other? No, they will not be shooting citadels with other citadels. Um, mostly because the vulnerability mechanics make that really weird as well because one could be you know, invulnerable and the other could be able to take damage. So... Uh, no, they have to be a thousand kilometers from each other, and that's out of the, their locking range. Okay. So, so the, I know the, we're being super serious, but uh, I'm seeing like a, a donation fight for women wanting to donate to the show because Null Arbor's on it. You know, I think <laughs> next time we'll have a have you in a thong or something so that we can make some money. Uh, 
that's disturbing. More so for us than you. But what, one of the things um, I found really interesting with the Citadels is the mechanic behind um, setting the vulnerability. Because um, it's very different from how posies work. Because posies at the moment, you stick a certain amount of strunt in there. And when it's reinforced, however much strunt you've got in there will depend on when it comes out of reinforce. But these are, are very selective. Um, you can choose which times you can do it. You can spread it over you know, an entire week, or you can just cluster them all in one particular day. Um, what was the sort of thinking behind that um, mechanic, and, and how did that come about? So this is, you know, when you sit down and you look at some of the problems with time zones in EVE, uh, people play at different times, you know, they can't all be on, the, you know, we get, and, and as speaking as a former Australian time zone player, this is a, like a problem that sort of really rings true for me. Um, and it's just not possible to force everybody to play, you know, online at the same time. And when you're asked with that question, if there's two parties and, you know, in order to interact with each other, one of them's going to have to play outside of their time zone. Who would we prefer that to be? And actually, we'd rather that would be the attacker. That uh, if a uh, an attacker is specifically after a certain structure at a certain location or against a certain corporation, they're the ones that are going to have to shift their time zone to fit uh, the defender, basically. And the motivation behind that is uh, we want we want that fight to be between two groups of players other than a group versus the NPC guns or the group versus some kind of uh, timing mechanic where, you know, there isn't, they aren't really actually meeting any, like, interesting player opposition. So that's the whole point of the vulnerability windows is you just say, this is when I can be online to defend it and it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty... Um, weak if I'm not there to defend it. You know, it's not going to shoot back on its own. Um, but if I show up, then it's got some good teeth, it's got good guns, and I've got, you know, the safety in the system, the mechanics about knowing when exactly I would have to show up for a defense. Uh, and we're hoping that's going to encourage more actual interactions between, you know, players attacking and defending. Spe speaking of that, can you talk a little bit about um, player stuff? Uh, basically, what happens to player stuff if one of these things is destroyed, what happens to player stuff that's inside if it's unanchored and then put back up or never put back up? Yep, so we, we're introducing what's called the asset safety system in these. So if you've got anything in a, a personal hangar or a corporation hangar, uh, as soon as a Citadel is unanchored or it explodes, uh, it will um, take all of the hangars and put them to a safe location. And you can recover them. You can recover them back into the same system if you've got another station there that you can dock in. And if you can recover it to the same system, it could be an NPC station or another Citadel, uh, then you don't pay anything. Um, if, however, you're somewhere in deep NullSec and your Citadel blows up and there's no other stations in system available, then after 20 days, it's going to take those assets and put them in a, a low, the nearest low-sec NPC station and you have to pay 15% of the market value per item to get it back. And you can pick which items you'd want to get back, and you can keep that container there for a while and uh, uh, as you go, basically, to recover your assets out of that, um, that asset safety. 
Um, and then for anything that's actually fitted to the structure, so the modules and uh, fighters and the fighter bay or fuel, um, ammunition, stuff like that, uh, that's going to drop into the wreck, you know, with the usual mechanics about what uh, loot drops. And the wreck itself actually has quite a lot of salvage. So you definitely want to be salvaging uh, these citadels and, and then bring some freighters to carry it all home because there's quite a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, has, has that number changed, the 15%? I thought, I thought it was 10. Has that changed? Um, I can't remember when we, what, what announced and what was changed, but it's, it's currently 15%. So okay. that's, what, that's what we're going with. So walk so me through this real quick. Ships oh, rate. sorry. If they're super capitals and, and or super carriers and titans, if they're if these structures destroyed, they're not going to the low sec station, right? There's a different plan for those. No, those are going into the low sec station. Uh, you you won't be able to dock them back up, but you'll get a one time undock from those stations. So make sure super it's a good one. Yes, yeah, that's a good question. Well. Oh, so they're not I, doing well, the, because the original yeah. back down thing. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yep. What's the occasional uh, plan? Do you have to re, re anchor a citadel there to get it back? Uh, we were discussing that. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, we sort of went round and round on different options for that. But uh, no, they will go to a, a low sex NPC station. Um, but you will not, once you undock it, you'll not be able to put it back. So, so if, I, if I blow up an XL citadel, how long before those assets become available to my enemy? Um, uh, you're talking about your assets. They never become available to the enemy. Uh, no, no, like, like I, I, I attack my opponent's XL Citadel and blow it up. How long until those same sets can be you know, brought back out? You said it was right, 20 days? Yeah, it's five days if you can get it into the same system. Um, but if, if you are unable to recover it into the same system, then after 20 days it will move automatically. So you've got that five to 20 day period where you could be recovering it to another station in the system. So they get their Titans back, but it takes 20 days if they want it to be moved to a low-sex station. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 20 days and 15%, so, right? Yeah, and 15% if it has to move system. So that's a pretty so significant hit, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a real strategic uh, value there. Did you see the other question from Orab? Uh, will the enemy know which low-sex low station the Supers end up? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, closest by light year distance, so you can sort of easily calculate that. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, they know what system. That if that system has multiple stations, would that come into play? Or uh, it always goes to the top station. Will this stuff uh, show up like in your asset list, so you can always just uh, look at it there and then set a destination that way? Yep. Uh, as soon as it gets destroyed. Um, well, within a few minutes at least, uh, you'll get a little, uh, there's a new tab on the assets screen. It's, it says safety. And okay. it shows you all of the pending, like, safety recovery. We call them asset wraps, and they, they have a timer running on them. Uh, and once you deliver, you can, after the five days, you can click deliver and say, I'd like to move it to a station in the system. Um, but after that, it will show you, uh, you know, this has been delivered automatically to an NPC station. So even if you don't, respond within a certain amount of time uh, on what station you want it to be delivered to, it will automatically deliver it to a particular Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you don't even get to decide. It just it delivers and then informs you. Yeah, after 20 days, it will automatically pick a station, the closest station, and then deliver it there. Um, there's some, there's uh, a little bit of difference between high and low sec as well. They won't cross the security band from high sec, low sec, or vice versa. So they'll pick the nearest high sec or the nearest low sec if they're in low sec. 
Um, but yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, you'll be able to just make a little graph and predict where they go. Yeah, CMW882 asked uh, how they're going to calculate the value of the supers um, since they're not on the market. Have you guys discussed that? Uh, yeah, we have we have some evaluation um, for items that are not on the market. Uh, it's a complex system how that's calculated, but we use it for other things for like calculating industry job costs and stuff like that. So uh, we'll be using that system. Um, yeah. Well, the other half of it is is that supers will be on the market now. In Excel Citadels, correct? Yes, yes. You'll be able to trade them on uh, the market in Citadels. Uh oh, Rip Trevor. I was going to say, Trevor's going to lose some money. <laughs> He's going to be mad. He's going to be really sad. Well, you got to have another. access to an extra large to be able to do it, so he's not going to be that yeah. sad, I guess. It's not the, yeah, but you know, that's interesting because you could have like a gypsy market in the middle of NullSec where you buy and sell Titans. Yeah, yeah. or in LowSec, you can have a group that sets one up specifically just to trade them. Oh, and yeah. then they can make money off the tax. Yeah, Probably not buying, have, buying but... a Titan in the super secret Excel Citadel in the middle of NullSec sounds well, like a very dangerous what if it's that? <laughs> what if it's that Palatine one? There you go. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. That's not the one you're probably going to want to put your... your <laughs> All right. <laughs> Look, if it's going to have a bunch of Titans in the marketplace anyway, it's going to be a target. So make it the target. Make it yeah. the target. The yeah. joke the I Palatine said about the Palatine is, is that you know that the person who built it is more invested than you, no matter what you put into it. <laughs> so these are great questions. I'm sure there are going to be dev blogs coming out when this stuff rolls out. I wanted to ask something that's a little more uh, on the ground. Um, how are these going to affect the current war? Because these are going to drop pretty much when people are in you know massive state of flux and war and all that stuff. Any predictions? I mean, the really exciting thing about this release for me is we honestly don't know what's going to happen. And I think if we had some like really solid ideas of how people will use them, that would actually be really boring and not an interesting feature. So, um, well, how long do they take this to build? Yeah, well, the timeline for things might uh, affect. So, you know, we're still, uh, you know, end of the month before we release. Um, you will see the first um, medium citadel after five days. Uh, you'll see the large after, I think it's 10 or 11 days, no, a bit less. And then the um, extra large, if someone wants to deploy them after the release date, I think it's about 16 days before we see the first one of them. It's uh, not so at all. Can can people do something to prepare? Um, I mean, you can start collecting the build materials. Uh, we have all the opponents, so you can be building those now and putting them in the right spot, ready to go. Uh, but the blueprints won't land until the release day, so you'll have to drop them in the um, drop them in the build queue and just wait it out. There are going to be a handful of medium and large, or at least one large blueprint copy that's fully researched on on launch day. Correct. Yeah, that's correct, and those will be the fastest to build because they're already, I believe, they're already researched. Um, so watch out, whoever's got hold of those. <laughs> so I imagine these can be they can be dropped as forward operating bases, you know, as you're moving the front lines around and stuff. Yeah, but you've got to be careful because the first anchoring time is actually it's super dangerous. Um, once you deploy these, um, they appear on the sensor overlay. So if somebody's paying attention, you can notice in a system that a structure is now there where it didn't used to be. Um, and it's got a little timer on it. If you fly up to it, it will tell you this thing finishes anchoring in 8 hours, 37 minutes. And if you come back at that time, uh, that structure has just its uh, hull remaining. All its shield and armor is gone. 
um, and it needs Ooh. to repair itself. And so it starts the automatic repair process. That takes 15 minutes. But if you can come and shoot at it, it pauses the repair timer. And if you can shoot through all of the hull, then it just explodes. There's no reinforcement. Um, it can't be fitted because it hasn't been online. It doesn't have any guns on it. So the initial deployment is actually quite um, dangerous compared to defending a structure that's already been deployed. So you've got to be careful about where you do it. And deploying it too far forward in enemy space, uh, it's going to be a real um, challenge. And especially in soft space, because the anchoring times uh, are extended for anybody who does not own sovereignty in that system. And it's extended by the amount of strategic index you have. Oh. Uh, so you get you get more notice of anchoring deployments in uh, uh, like longer held soft systems, basically. But it Can doesn't change the vulnerability window. No, it doesn't change anything else. It just changes the time for somebody else to anchor a structure in that system. But doesn't that break the whole, like, I, I know that I'm always in my time zone thing? Because, like, how much is it going to be? Because if it pushes it three hours forward, that basically guarantees... Well, I guess I could just anchor it the day before three hours prior to when I would like to it, do it. No, it's only it will only increment by a day each time. So oh, it's okay. The, it's 24 hours plus the strategic index, I think, is what we did. So that actually brings up another question, which was another thing that changed from the dev blogs, or at least I think so. When you reinforce one of these structures, in the original dev blog, it seemed to say that there was a period of time of reinforcement, and that time was only taken out of your quote-unquote reinforcement window. But then on, on Singularity, it seems to show, or it seems to imply to me by the UI, that the it'll come out of reinforcement exactly 24 hours after the uh, the reinforcement event occurs. Yeah, so, that's correct. Yeah, so it will start. Uh, it will reinforce twenty four hours from the moment that it was first started being shot at. So if you took four hours to shoot it, it'll be twenty hours, and that's important because it maintains that the reinforced time will always be one day after the original vulnerability window. And when you go to actually when you go to set up your vulnerability hours on the UI, uh, you paint the hours, and then the next day, at the same time, there's like a kind of faded out uh, block as well, and that's to indicate that you know that next day, if somebody attacks it, you might have to come back the following day to show up for a reinforce timer. Uh, that's for the first reinforce. After the shield gets destroyed, then you come back a day to sh to contest the armor. Uh, and then the final layer is uh, a further six days. So it's actually a week end-to-end -end from the moment the first shot is fired until the Citadel is destroyed. So How your final re reinforcement, uh, your final fight is always back in your reinforcement window. Or, yeah, back yeah, in the original exactly. reinforcement window it was reinforced in. Yeah, at the exact same time it was first shot just a week later. Uh, I had a question. Uh, Kagton in chat had a good question. Uh, when you when they first come out of the initial anchoring and they they you know all the shields and armor are gone, uh, can the citadels be repped during that? So can you shorten that window where they're uh, really vulnerable? No, there's there's no repairing of the citadel. It will, will repair itself, um, yeah. and. The only way to defend a citadel is to kill everybody attacking it. Okay. <laughs> so it really forces you to just, you know, you can't just sit there and tank it. You actually have to deal with the uh, the people attacking you. So that goes to my question. How much of a gap between um, damage um, application is there going to be for that 
that number to reset. I start attacking a citadel, attack it for an hour or for 30 minutes or whatever. We don't get it killed. We get chased off. For two hours, we come back. Is that um, reinforced time going to start three hours before or could it start the second um, time we start hitting it? So, yeah, okay. So the repair time uh, is 15 minutes of no, of no damage being applied. And if you shoot at it, if you shoot at it enough, there's a little, um, like a, a floor amount that you have to damage it. Uh, if you shoot at it enough, it'll pause the repair time. It won't reset it. And if you can uh, basically keep it paused, maintain its paused state, it will stay paused forever. Um, and you've got, you can take as long as you like to actually uh, shoot through all of the, the remaining shield or hull or armor or whatever. Okay. Um, okay. So... But, but so that means you need to maintain consistent damage. If you shoot at it and then run away for 15 minutes and come back, it'll have already repaired. Um, and that means it'll repair everything. It'll go all the way back to the shield state. Um, if, it's, if it was in the vulnerability window, if it was like a four-hour vulnerable block and you shot it in the first hour and left, it would repair. And, come, uh, and if you came back an hour later, it would still be vulnerable so you could shoot it again. Um, but it, it means the... Reinforced times are very important. You have to be there at exactly that time and applying damage, you know, consistently until you kill it. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. We we don't really have anything like this already in the game, so that, I'm curious to see. Dark has a last question. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, uh, sorry. Uh, another question from from chat from Aramis. Uh, he wants to know: Can these be? Uh, well, I don't want to say sold, but can they be transferred? Um, are there any limitations on how you transfer whom and like that? Um, same as Poco's, you can't be at war, you can't be currently being shot at, and it must not be, you know, in reinforced or anything like that. So if it's just in its normal happy state, um, you a director can come online and transfer it away. All right, since there's a lot of details and we can really drill down for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, but let's not do that. Let's wait for like... A, you know, if you guys need more information from Null Arbor, he's always in the Structures channel in uh, Tweet Fleet Slack, and there's a lot of exposure to him there for these uh, kinds of questions, so we encourage you to, to meet him there. Um, but if we can go back to more high-level, um, well, think, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, here's a high-level one, and I know that I'm not going to get an answer on this, um, uh, on kind of a forward timing long-range outlook um i'm expecting and can you just confirm or not um whether or not at FanFest when they unveil kind of the updated timeline uh roadmap whether or not we'll have some inclination on when we can expect the next in the line of structures to kind of be making their way in or what the end is for what's planned um i'll just say it would be pretty weird if we went to FanFest and didn't talk about what's coming next. Um, so just <laughs> wait for FanFest and watch the streams and uh, yeah. I'm sure. Which yeah. is why I didn't want to ask you here and then have you tell me, you know, well, maybe FanFest. <laughs> right. definitely, definitely watch for FanFest. There's Good. going to be some more structure stuff there. So, and this is related, like obviously there's a lot of, con or there's a lot of details about Citadels that seem to be, uh, unclear because obviously we're discussing all these mechanics, but it's kind of interesting because this development process has actually been very different than a lot of the development processes we've seen before in the fact that you revealed to us that you were working on this significantly earlier and with significantly more detail than you have in the past. 
on on the one side, it means that you've gotten really good feedback. I know like originally there's going to be like an intosis kind of mechanic. There's a quick pivot from that because you got that feedback very early on, which if you got that later on, it might have been too late to deal with. Um, on the flip side, obviously, there's a lot of confusion about the nuances of how these mechanics are going to work be simply because things have changed over time. And so people are basically going back. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people that do it so whatever they go back to these dev blogs and point to them as evidence but in fact the system has changed dramatically from those early days so it's caused a little bit of confusion um i guess that's what my take of it is what is your take of like what is the biggest victory from this uh this change of development process and what kind of lessons do you take away from this what victor or what would you like to change next time we do this yeah, we've definitely changed our mind on a lot of stuff, and that's it's based a lot on feedback and just actually taking the time to really think about it as well, um, not just announcing something and then uh, uh, just running with it as quickly as we can. You know, we have taken our time with this, and I think we've landed on a better design because of it, um, but it has taken a lot of effort. Um, the, the amount of communication that's required to just, write, you know, put out these dev blogs and capture all the feedback and then discuss everything and change our mind and communicate it again. So that's why it's definitely uh, towards the end we've you're seeing this case where we've we had some old dev blogs and they're a little bit out of date because we've changed our mind based on the feedback and we haven't published a new one and um, so it's 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 definitely different. Um, I think the end of the day it's going to result in uh, a better system, a better design. So it's worth it uh, after all of that, um, but it, it's taken quite a lot of. It's been a really interesting process. So, you know, nearing the end of this process, you lost your teammate, uh, the guy working with you, uh, CCP Turbium. So, uh, are you sad uh, that he's not around? Yeah, he's a machine. He's uh, you know been at CCP for quite a long time um, and was you know from day one very instrumental in in this whole design. This is basically you know his baby. Um, but fortunately, uh, I mean, he's, he did most of his work, um, you know, many, many months ago and it's sort of, you, you get, you go through these kind of phases of development that there's a long design process and discussions and setting stuff up and then all the engineers take over and sort of just get it done and, you know, carry it over the line. And at, at that point, um, not too much about the design changes compared to the early, early days. So, um, it's really sad to see, you know, uh, Euterbium go, but um, fortunately we had pretty much everything solid on the Citadel stuff, at least, before kinda, we left. It's kind of like his parting gift to EVE players, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and more so, you know, he's designed for structures into the future and, and, and set some stuff up for that already. So Now, you guys, the, the way to take these things down, it was thought that they might need Intosis uh, lasers like the Sovereignty system does, but you guys, uh, I think you and Euterbium, I think you told me at Vegas were around the uh, coffee machine saying, "Wouldn't it be good to shoot these things?" And I was really taken by that. How did it come to? Ch how did you change your mind? Yeah, I mean, we were closely following what was happening with the sovereignty mechanics, and and there's a lot of really um, sort of interesting problems that were tackled with that mechanic, but it was specifically for structures really lacking that uh, visceral feel. It, it didn't feel good to sit there and be shot at by a structure while you kind of, you know, uh, just watch a progress bar go down. 
Uh, it's much better to have, you know, guns blazing and everybody firing and sort of all piling in. And just that experience is better. And, you know, we forget sometimes that EVE is, is as much as an experience as it is, you know, just like a, a series of mechanics that we're all trying to, you know, uh, one-up each other on. So, um, we were just uh, uh, brainstorming different ways that we could achieve some of the goals of the Intosis mechanic while still maintaining, you know, guns firing on the structure. And that's how we sort of came up with the... Uh, the damage threshold, um, the vulnerability windows, and actually something which uh, we haven't talked about much, um, but when you shoot at a citadel, uh, it will automatically warp scramble you for your weapons timer. And you can deaggress and it will release the warp scramble for you, um, but that's automatic. You don't need somebody piloting, they don't need to lock you, it happens immediately. And that, was, again, was borrowed from the sort of entosis mechanics to make sure that you can't sort of just kite around the structure and avoid shot at. That's great. There is one last uh, question. I'm sorry, it's a nuts and bolts question. I, I promised somebody I'd ask it. Have you worked out the permissions for launching these things? Uh, yeah, you have to have the station manager role to deploy them, and you have to have director to unanchor them. Oh, that's great. Listen, we're at about an hour, um, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning for Null Arbor. So uh, is there any last questions that are... If I'm actually okay to stick around a little bit longer. If Are you terrific? Uh, yeah. We'd love oh, yeah, to have you. There's one, one question that I'd like to ask, which I think is kind of, a lot of people are kind of thinking about. Are Citadels going to be um, the way forward for all stations, uh, including HiSec, going forward? I think for player-built stations, yeah. That's the intention. Um, how much balance we maintain between NPC structures and player structures that's what that's what we're excited to see how you know all of this plays out um we're obviously always going to need some element of, of npc safety um some people are not comfortable with the risk of trusting other people and that's fine and you just has to balance that against the rewards that we're offering you for taking that risk in a player structure um but uh for for player structures you know we we kind of see this citadels and this new uh, approach to deploying stuff is uh, hopefully the future and we'll have to see i'm not uh, uh i don't have a crystal ball <laughs> but we'll uh, we're definitely very excited about what this potentially unlocks for us to do in the future well it, april um... april 27th does that limit at all the ability to build stations as we know them now no and you can deploy them after april 27th no problem okay so you know, it was interesting that you guys, I mean, if you're looking at the, the big themes, you guys decided there needed to be a different way to let people play EVE Sovereignty instead of these giant, you know, hurdles that they had to uh, jump over. So you lowered the bar of entry to Intosis. And then that seemed to, I don't know if you guys looked at stats and said this isn't working like we thought, but that, you made a change. You said we're going to go back to guns blazing because that's very visceral. Like, what direction are we headed in now? Is it a hybrid, or are we, gonna, are we looking at the reality that, that blowing things up feels good? Yeah, I think it's just a balance of both, you know. I think the last couple of weeks, we've definitely seen um, the ages of, um, you know, really shaking things up. So there's elements of that that we really like. Um, and then with the structures, you know, we're seeing with the, some of the tests, it's just elements of huge fleets, raining fire down on a big structure with everybody's stuff in it it's it's uh it's an exciting moment so um you know i don't know what's going to happen with all of these things um we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on on 
how it works and how it feels and what the you know reaction is to this. Um, but well, we, we definitely like... think for shooting a big structure, it 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 has a better connection to you know what yeah, you're actually definitely. trying to achieve. Yeah. Well, and these so, big things are falling right in the middle of like what is one of the biggest wars we've seen, and so it's just such a giant wild card. And it looks like the, the how advantage... much of a wild card. I mean, you know, seriously, how much of a wild? Yeah, you know, because now we're kind of in that discussion period here. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. How much of a wild card is it really? Um, pauses will still function, so you're not losing that functionality. You're you're gaining what would be, in comparison, the immediacy of being able to put a staging tower down that has a force field around it. I'm not quite sure yet how how um, much these are going to play into this war, unless this war really extends out months. I I actually think that the effect will go the other direction. I think that this war is going to have significant impact on how quickly citadels are embraced. Because if citadels was released in peacetime, the race to the XL uh, citadel, the race to the Palatine, you know, those will be would be in the forefront. Yep. But in war, no one's going to worry about d figuring out how to play with this new 80 billion isk toy. They're probably going to continue to fight the war that they know how to fight. And then once the war is over, uh, they will, you know, uh, begin to to utilize these larger assets. Now, I think that we, we might see some experimentation with like a medium or po potentially large citadels. But I really don't see that we're going to see like an XL citadel base until at least the war is over. You're going to I see could see high sec and low sec uh, gentlemen to um, play with these before null sec in this case. Yeah, definitely. I think they would be because. You know, I think a lot of the, other than some NOSEC groups um, that may be under a lot of pressure that want to evacuate stuff, may put one up so they can get all their stuff moved to a low sex station in a hurry without having to jump freighter at all. I I can't see these things being built anywhere where there's ongoing fighting. I but also low suspect, sec. I definitely think. Sorry, I also right. suspect that anybody who's deploying these things tactically will always double their costs because if I'm using it as a strategic location, I'm going to have two of them in the same system with reinforcement timers that are out of sync with each other. So that way, no matter what, they can't just breathe through and take it all out. Not all over. Tell these guys they're wrong. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I think the immediate impact, the largest impact is going to be in wormhole space because this is unlocking a lot of functionality that those guys just not had access to, you know, trading on markets and docking and stuff like that. So um, I think initially the the land rush is going to be deploying them in wormholes and, and smaller yeah. groups, smaller groups in low sec and, and high sec will be jumping on them. Maybe not even for particular strategic reasons, you know, just I want one and it's cool and my corp's going to have our own home and that's definitely one of the motivations behind Citadel and this particular structure is that this is this is your home. This is a, this is a place to put stuff and base out of, and um, we're hoping people will just do that as an alternative to NPC stations. Because as for whether the they drop them groups. in the middle of a war, I don't know, and we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, Marsha. Marsha, I just want to point out, uh, Tiberius, that Marsha Mallow actually said the same thing before we uh, thought of it, which was HK are definitely planning. That's uh, Hard Knocks, their wormhole group. Are definitely planning to drop an XL in wormhole space. Good job, wow. Martha. I, I wish them the best of luck. I think that that's going to be amazing once it's and it's going to be amazing when somebody tries to tear it down. 
Well, tearing an extra large down is hard enough, but doing it in wormhole space... I do want to circle back on something that uh, Nullabor said, because I think that you caused a minor panic attack, and I just want clarity <laughs> to make sure that, that those panic attacks are well justified. You said that the Citadel will scram anyone who attacks it. Do you mean disruptor, or do you mean scrambler, like shut off microwarp drive? Sorry, I mean uh, disrupt. You will not be able to warp away. Uh, I okay. I, yeah, it won't, it won't turn off microwarp drives, though. Oh, well. Damn. Oh, well. So I also... Well, please. <laughs> uh, well, uh, hold on. Auto, uh, automatically unmanned? It will do that? Yes. Nice. So only, it does... if you sh only if you shoot at it. Uh, if you're just passing by, uh, then it won't well, yeah. shoot at you. Yeah. Uh, if you're, what if you're repping? Oh, you said anything with a weapons timer. So if you're repping someone that is shooting at it, would that give it to the logi too? It'd scram them. Um, actually, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, I actually, I didn't implement this, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go find out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just the people doing the damage, though. Um, obviously, if they're they're disrupted, then the logi's gonna have to stick around to repair them. By the way, do you entosis uh, services on these things, or how's that? I should know this. I'm sorry. No, there's no entosis mechanics. There's no disabling of services or shutting off guns or anything like that. Okay. Oh, you can't really. Hmm. Even through damage. No, you just have to kill the structure itself. Um, and I mean that's it's kind of interesting. You know, you you go on a a POS shoot. You you either just tank it and burn through the the um, the HP on the tower itself. Or you go around and in-cap all the guns, and then it can't do anything, and then you shoot through the tower. So it's it's fairly predictable as to, you know, what happens there. So um, with the Citadels, we want you to be going down, you know, even <laughs> even with, like, 1% shield left or 1% hull left, still, like, guns blazing and trying to yeah. <laughs> kick over as much stuff before the, uh, before the structure finally explodes. It's kind of funny so to think that... a big that... change from stations and where player drop stations where you can, can attack the services. It's quite a difference. Yeah, the way you attack it is by putting it into the second reinforce, and that shuts all of the services offline. So the market and cloning and all that stuff, that'll all be disabled, and the owners won't be able to use it uh, until it's repaired. And for a, a tower in, in K-Space, uh, that's six days where that structure is not working properly. So that's quite a long time. Uh, yeah. So speaking of time... How does the actual time calculations work? Because it's got a damage cap where you can only do so much damage over time, and then it cuts it off. And then also, you said that there's a 15 minute countdown. So, like, how does how does it calculate a block time? Is it like every tick that damage? If you if it if if you hit the threshold of that damage for that tick, does it just throw the rest of it away, or is it like averaging over five seconds? And more importantly, like if you don't, is the DPS threshold that's required to continue the timer counting down, is that also happening on a tick level? Because sometimes, you know, if I'm firing out, you know, with a dread or whatever, I could be doing gigantic spikes of damage with long periods of time of no damage. Which, so how does that work? Yeah, so it's all based on a rolling 20-second window. So... In order to uh, do maximum damage, we go and look back over the last 20 seconds, and if you've already averaged above the damage threshold per second, then when your shot is fired, it will not do any damage. And the same is true for pausing the repair process. Uh, that value is 
10% of the damage threshold. So the maximum damage that you can do per second. If you can do 10% of the maximum damage uh, averaged over 20 seconds, then that will stop it from automatically repairing. Uh, so that means you can do big alpha shots. If you can do the full you know, 20 times the DPS threshold in a single shot, then you can just do that and then wait 20 seconds and then do it again. And it'll be doing, you know, the same maximum amount of damage. So so basically what you do is uh, you order all of your troops to hit reload and then you t order your Titans to Doomsday to cover up the damage during that time. <laughs> yeah, or just in reality, if everyone's just free firing and reloading at different times, you'll hit the cap for the whole time anyway. So. Very well. Uh, no, no, just... uh, a I'm sorry, a Citadel that uses its weaponry um when it is not in when when it is not vulnerable does not cause it to become vulnerable correct correct and for that reason you cannot use the warp disruption module uh while it is uh not vulnerable uh cuz we think that's a little overpowered to just point someone until downtime <laughs> and you can't even shoot back at the structure uh but all the other weapons will work uh the citadel itself um has quite a long locking time uh, so if you just stumble upon one and it starts locking you, you should be able to turn around and warp away before it acquires a lock. Um, and it won't be able to hold you there anyway. You'd have to have another ship pointing you, and then the Citadel could do damage to you. Have you guys, uh, have we tested that? Uh, maybe I missed it, but it's been a good test of uh, the DPS max. Uh, yeah, that's been in for a while now, and um, it seems to be working fine. It's actually not that complicated. Um, just to just to cap the amount of damage coming in, um, and they have different damage thresholds for the different sizes as well. So it's only I think it's four thousand DPS on the Astrobus. So you can do that with a handful of battleships or bombers, and um, and actually that's so that's the ceiling as well. You don't have to bring that much. It just takes longer. Um, at maximum damage, it will take thirty minutes um, for all of the structures if you can hit their if, they, if you can hit their damage threshold. Uh, but, you know, if you bring half that, then you can take an hour and just do it a little bit slower. It's still going to work fine. I just want to uh, say that I think that all of these timer, like all of the mechanics that you've described, I think it's fantastically well designed. Drayden? Uh, no, I was just, uh, this is more just like a, a speculation, maybe not even a question, but uh, with the damage cap, Max, um, it's basically going to discourage people from using, you know, capitals to take down these things. It's it's going to be more of like a subcap focused uh Assault, in my opinion, but you guys have spent a bunch of time revamping all the capitals as well. Uh, do, do you think that like, the offensive changes to the capitals are going to be enough that it's going to encourage people to actually start using these? Because you know, capital fights have, for the most part been shelled for a long time. Well, against the larger structures, you need to bring a fair amount of DPS. So, you know, unless you've got you know easily can field hundreds of battleships, which some groups can, but not everybody. Um, then, you know, capitals might just be a faster, easier way of getting the job done. Um, so, I, no, I definitely think there's a, a, a place for capitals to be fighting against these larger structures. Uh, and then you also have to consider what the defenders are bringing. So, you know, the structure might require a certain amount of DPS to kill it and a certain amount of HP to be, you know, resisting its damage that it's outputting. But you've got to think about what they have escalated the fight to as well on the other side. Um, and that's where I think for these, particularly the new, um, you know, the force auxiliaries and the, and the carrier changes with all the new fighter stuff that can really shake things up about, 
you know, why you bring a certain class of ship to a fight, depending on what the attacker or the defender has brought, and depending on what structures got fitted, and depending on whether, you know, all, all sorts of things. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it takes capitals out of the game at all. All it does is say, this is how many you would need for max deeps on this. It doesn't mean that you don't bring. It, it, it just it, it frees you up for other things. It frees up other capitals that are on scene to you know to do protection duty, um, whatever you know, as well as the rest of the rest of a fleet. Yeah, absolutely. I'd much rather you were shooting another fleet than specifically shooting the structure. By the way, these things can't be put in strategic locations like um, next to IHOPs or anything, right? They have to be a thousand kilometers from other anchored structures. Um, and stations, NPC stations included. And then they have to be 500 kilometers from uh, celestial locations, we call them. So that would be belts and planets and moons and the sun and uh, stargates, stuff like that. So you literally could put one near the sun? Yeah, you can put one pretty close to the sun, actually. Um, you know, it kind of looks like it's in it with the, the solar flares blazing around it. I actually posted a cool little Very video cool. on my Twitter today with uh, a Citadel anchored at the sun. It's, it's, it's really exciting to see all of these new locations which you can put stuff that just looks cool. You know, I hope, I actually, I really hope that people don't just lazily plonk them at, you know, at the standard planet warp-ins that they actually try to get good bookmarks, you know, uh, on the top of planets and underneath things and around the sides and, you know, really nice-looking locations. Because you're going to be there uh, looking at it the whole time, so. That was on the test server while I was testing it out, launching my own, and I grabbed an interceptor on one of my characters and I literally burned in this interceptor probably for about two hours just so I could get it exactly on the North Pole point of a temperate planet, so I could stick it right at the top of the planet. It <laughs> took forever. I, it I, may, I, I may have missed it, but did you say what the DPS cap is on, on each one of these? I know you said 30 minutes, but what does that equate to in terms of a deeps cap? Um, I see testing my memory here. It's, <laughs> it's like, um, like 4,000 uh, for the Astrohus and... Okay, like 80,000 for the XL and the L somewhere in between. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, there's a dev blog that's got it. I think it's the yeah, it does, Citadel yeah. Sieges. We haven't changed the value since then, I believe. Okay. So it's, you said it was going to take about uh, 16 days to get one from start to finish uh, online. People could prepare by building the subcomponents now. Uh, was that for the small one or is that for the, are they all the same? Yeah, they always the same. Um, we renamed them. They were called station components, and we called them structure components now. We've added three new ones, uh, but they're all seated. You can build them on TQ today and put them in the right spot ready to go. Um, then you just have to get the blueprint on uh, release day and put the industry job in, and off you go. So I'm, I'm a new guy. I just came in, and I'm alone. Like, uh, How easy is it to get into these things for a, for a new person to, like, you know, is this supposed to be like a, as easy as? Well, pauses weren't very easy, were they? Yeah, I mean the the interface is easier. So I can just buy one off the market, fly to some empty spot in space, and deploy it. And provided no one shoots it, come back the next day and and dock in it, and off we go. There's my structure. Uh, the hard part is going to be making sure nobody shoots at it. And whether a solo player can do that depends on you know how. Um, how clever they are and, and who's fighting them. You might need some friends to help defend it. And that's where the whole politics of Eve get interesting there. 
Yeah, because these things, I mean, we keep thinking of them in war. We think of them in wormhole space, low sec, faction war. But we don't really think of them as homes for people inside of high sec. Like, that's not really a, something that gets asked a lot. But that can happen. Absolutely. I think it will happen a lot that people will just build them because they look fantastic and it's really cool to have your own space home. And they won't be public. They won't be made available to anybody else. They'll just be maybe just that one player or, you know, um, the, you know their small corp. And that's what I was talking about before. That that's that was sort of the dream of POS. You know that this is your this is your home. This is your fortress in your little corner of space. And um, citadels make that a lot more accessible to get into. Yeah, and uh, but it's interesting that you have that, but you don't. You're not going to link that with uh, captain's quarters, which was actually a good question. Or even you're not going to have an internal view of it. So it will be constantly, you will be, like what we're looking at now on screen is a citadel near a sun, which is gorgeous. But that's kind of like as intimate as you get with it. Uh, we, we are giving you an internal hangar for your ship, so you can spin your ship inside. Uh, but we're, just, we're not giving you the captain's quarters where you can walk around. Oh, so you can yeah, ships. Um, the Super and the Titan hangar looked amazing. It's a really good job. Oh, do you have a link for that? I, I can put that up. I can find it, yeah. So are you gonna uh so are you battling with like uh Larkin on who's gonna own this uh expansion? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean this particular expansion has taken a lot of work from a lot of different people. Um so you kinda hear from me and Fozzy and Larrikin a lot, but um there's a lot of teams that have put effort into this, um and for the capitals, for the citadels themselves and everything else that's going into this expansion so i think you know there's there's general excitement around this entire thing from every you know all the way across the studio and i i, I kind of feel like like everyone is just excited to be owning this and being part of it i think are you all gonna drop dead when it launches <laughs> yeah go on a holiday for a month yeah. or something yeah <laughs> you guys must be yeah, exhausted. Guys they're gonna be recovering from fan fest <laughs> oh that's party. right so are you looking oh, forward to FanFest? Yeah, FanFest is going to be great this year. Um, uh, it's always fun. It's always good to you know catch up with with um, you know all these faces that you see on the internet. Uh, it's great to see them in person and have a beer and chat about Eve. Um, some of the presentations should be really good this year as well. So yeah, I'm definitely excited. So can we have you for another five minutes and then uh, we'll take a quick break and do a half hour of uh, talk about other stuff in Eve? Yeah, sure. That way, yeah. yeah. Uh, anybody else have any questions? Do we have any more questions from the uh, viewers? Because we are up to nearly 400. Yes, yeah, we have a question here, which is, uh, what, is the, what is the scram strength or the disruption strength on the Citadel? If a Titan fires at a Citadel, does it get bound there? Yeah, I believe it's uh, an infinity point. Uh, so not a, just not a scram, but you will not Ooh. be able to warp away. So don't accidentally push the button. And what's the range on that? Uh, if you're shooting at it, that's the range. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an in, an infinity infinity point. <laughs> yeah, if you can reach it, it's going to be pointing you. Uh, well, you also no, have you have the reverse right, uh, Drayden, right after this. The uh, actually, you go first. I'm. Go oh, sorry. I, I just uh, uh, someone in the chat was asking a question. Uh, Hellacious asked. Um, uh, where will blueprints end up if it's destroyed? Blueprints that are currently building something will they drop or go to low sec? Now I know you said that they initially they're not going to have like production lines, so you won't be able to produce stuff out of them yet. But you said that uh, you were looking into changing that. So if that does get implemented, uh, what happens to like currently producing blueprints? 
yeah, assembly lines will definitely be added later on as a service module. Um, for any jobs in progress, uh, they'll be cancelled and you'll get your blueprint back in the asset safety. Uh, and that's true of most of the services that you have. Like if I put a bunch of orders on the market, it's going to cancel the market orders, put the items back in the hangar, and then trigger the asset safety. So you'll get all that stuff back. Um, you might lose the... I think you would definitely lose the materials on installed jobs, though, and we might even drop that as loot. Um, but that's sort of decisions to be made in the future when we get to that feature. I imagine that the reason why that feature is not part of this release is because those answers are, or those questions aren't answered yet. <laughs> yeah, and we also just have to draw the line somewhere and, and ship part of it, and we'll do the rest later. But um, yeah, assembly lines would be. Um, uh, it's got a few challenges there, but I think it's a really good um, addition to the structure because of just how widely they get used across all areas of space. Thanks, Tiberius. He gave me a picture to put up, and that is the uh, an Eon in the hangar. It's beautiful. Originally, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was said that there's going to be nine different kinds of structures and that Citadels were going to be the first one with market and offices. However, uh, it sounds to me more that you're moving towards a homogenous kind of concept with citadels. Um, the citadel is the most defensible structure. We kind of pivoted a little bit on that, um, that uh, you'll be able to put markets in all other structures. You'll be able to put reprocessing and stuff like that in all other structures. Uh, when we do the assembly lines, you'll be able to put that service in the citadel as well as the special structure designed for manufacturing stuff. Um, it's just that the the like natural sort of the hull bonuses on this class. Uh, if you have a look at the hull description, it's got bonuses to um, the fuel usage on the market and the fuel usage on cloning, and it has the best stats for defense and for damage output. Uh, so they're the, the 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 hardest structure to destroy, basically. So that makes sense for a lot of the f functions, like especially the functions that we expect to see out of outposts and whatnot. But the other kind of structures that we saw were like, for instance, player-made propaganda machines and player-made stargates. So has your changed in like how you're thinking of citadels in the grand scheme of the other structures changed those very niche kind of uh, objects as well? No, some of them will have uh, restrictions that you know, certain services or functionality can only be fitted to that type of hull and uh, or to that specific size of hull. So, uh, for example, Titan building will probably only be in the extra large manufacturing uh, structure. And um, some of the more specialized, like gate, you know, jumping and, uh, you know, propaganda stuff will be limited to those particular structures. But if you then also want to put a market in it, you can do that, but it will cost you more fuel and um, it's sort of it's like fitting mining lasers on a on a rock. You know, it, it can be done, but there's better ships for it. Oh, um, that's great! Uh, thanks so much for uh, staying up so late. I know it's really late over there. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, it was really great to talk to you guys. Well, as you can see, like there's a thousand little questions because this is going to be such a big change for people. Even though it's going to be familiar, all the little ways that this can go right or wrong for, for people's situations or, or you know, there's potential for a lot of upheaval. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you have more questions, then uh, definitely jump on the Tweet Fleet Slack. Uh, if I'm not there, there's a lot of guys in that channel who we've been chatting to a lot and they, they are pretty up to date with sort of the latest version of the mechanics. So they're, they're 
um, quite quick to respond to questions if you really have a specific question. And uh, definitely jump on Singularity because what we've got there now, uh, particularly all the stats, is like pretty close to being done. So uh, give us your feedback or you know go and explore from there and figure out. Um, uh, you can sort of decipher how it all works from, from CC. Awesome. All right, thanks a lot. We're all looking forward to it. So we're going to take a quick break. I have a little intermission. Uh, we're going to go ahead and play the uh, Amar docking scene this time, and we'll be back in about four minutes, and we'll finish up talking about Eve and what's going on inside the game. Thanks again, Nobar. Uh, I think you guys can talk. I lowered the volume for TeamSpeak, so I won't be able to hear you, but you guys can talk to each other. We're off screen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll be right back. All right. Well, I'm going to bed, so thanks, guys. Hey, man. Thanks, thanks, for, yeah, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time. I hope you got a uh, double OT for this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, it's good to chat about it. It's really exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Looking forward to it. See you at FanFest. Definitely. I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Good night, See man. you, mate. I'm going to go kick the dog, beat the twins, and I'll be back a bit. Man, I was searching and searching and searching for a Titan docking image, and I couldn't find it, so I just had to use the only one I had, which was my Aeon one. <laughs> Somebody did ask a, a good question there. Um, I, I think I forgot, or just we just ran out of time or whatever. But, or I don't understand the mechanics of, of the carriers and super carriers yet, but... Supposedly, they're supposed to have unlimited locking range on those things, and now with these expanded grids, I um, mean, could one be a thousand kilometers away, be able to lock and send fighter bombers in, yes. and be pointed? Yeah. There, there's there's a um, there's a module for carriers, which is basically like a siege module for them, but it gives them massive bonuses to lock ranges, so they can send fighters out to like a thousand kilometers. Right, but. I mean, will that infinite, infinite point be able to reach out that far? I guess so, yeah. But, I mean, that's the way I read it, too, but I don't know that... I mean, when you sit there and say, oh, well, you know, a sniper battleship, that's only, you know, so far, right? But, I mean, given these larger grid sizes and the ability for supercarriers and carriers to launch fighters that can go out... thing is, if somebody's defending that citadel, they can shoot the fighters and launch their own fighters to take down the fighters. So you can have your carrier sitting there, but you'll soon find yourself without any fighters very, very quickly. <laughs> Especially with those uh, anti, anti whatever guns that they have. Yeah. They just, they just annihilate everything. They just flat cannons. Fighters. Flat cannons. Okay. They just annihilate small stuff in no time at all. I am a little sad that there's not going to be a captain's quarters. Yeah, I've got an inkling though that they. Of what might come. If not dust. that's what I think it is. Not dust. Not dust? That's what I call it. I call oh, it not, not dust. dust. Yeah. I'm thinking that something might be minted along those lines. I also found it funny that he said that he didn't have a crystal ball. Because <laughs> my article in which I talked about not dust being the replacement for internal structures and citadels was called Through the Crystal Ball. <laughs> I think if they're going to do it, that's how they're going to do it. And the fact that they've released the armor on... Oh, here we um, go, here we go. I blew that one. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us into this late hour. Uh, we are here talking about um, 
the rest of what's going on because there's a ton going on out there. I think, uh, Dirk, I'll kick it to you because you had something you wanted to talk about first, right? Well, I, th- I just wanted to bring up the topic of the of the uh, Daily Opportunities dev note that came out today. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and probably before we go into answering it, you know, it, I should just bring it up in case people out there haven't heard it, although I hope I don't digitize by talking too long. Uh, but apparently they are proposing a daily type thing that you can do <clears throat> that will earn you 10,000 skill points for having done that every day um, by simply shooting, by simply killing one NPC. So 50 days basically equals uh, an injector. Uh, well, I, I think if you do it every day through the course of the year, it comes out to something like, I don't know, 3.3 million skill points or something like that. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. No, 3.982. So that's a, like a that's a grind kind of, isn't it? Well, it, it's, it's not much of a grind if you have to kill one rat a day. I mean, that's, that's right. True. It, it's a daily. It's basically a daily login re- a reward with one extra step. Yeah, I was going to so, say you can almost do that by accident. But the, now that obsessive compulsive part of me, you know, is on vacation in Argentina, and I'm dialing my nephew saying, "Please log okay. in for me." He kills him. Yeah, I mean that, that's what I had in. Um in dust when i used to play that it's like i used to just turn on the playstation so i could get my orum reward and my isk reward and my skill point reward that was it i didn't actually like log into it to play the game or anything i just turned it on hey, and but, got the rewards but those daily okay. numbers are going to spike for eve right yeah well yeah well for five minute <laughs> portions <laughs> so, but, but, here's the thing let's just take this in, in stages if we could is Ash, there anybody next. here who is completely against the idea of dailies, as opposed to maybe just the details that they propose? Not entirely. I mean, it, it it rewards people that are consistent in playing, and it's it's even across the whole game. So, I mean, it's not like it's favoring any individuals over others. I mean, aside from, you know, people that just can't log in every day, even for a few minutes. I, I would probably take a little bit of spin on that, in that I would prefer rewards for actually people being out in space for a length of time because ships being undocked create content for someone somewhere and i'd rather people be out there for a period of time rather than just undock fly to a bell shoot something dock back up again you know right yeah i I agree i wasn't saying that uh i think it's fine the way they have it i i was just saying i'm not opposed to the idea of dailies in general but yeah you're right it it should be a little more than because it just seems that why not just have it just log in, log out? Because it's almost what you're doing right there. My my biggest problem with this, it, 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 the seed of it, is the fact that this is so dramatically different than what was proposed to us at Eve Vegas, and the system that that was proposed at Eve Vegas sounded complex and interesting and had a lot of potential, and this solution feels like I, I know people want to say free to play or you know all that stuff, but I, I'm not Cheap. trying to use that bu- buzzword. But it sound it feels like something that would come out of a free to play company, right? It just sounds like a very badly designed or 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 just not designed idea. It's just like oh uh, I don't know, go out and shoot something, and we'll give you uh, I don't know people like SP. Like if I had not have heard what the original tribute system was was designed to look like. I would not be so confused by what I see now. Well, what the initial ideas were on it seemed a little more substantial than what would ostensibly be shoot a frigate, get 10,000 you know, uh, SP. 
Right. So let me let me kind of clarify because I've been watching this very for a long time because I was actually a strong supporter of the tribute system when it was originally announced. So basically, the concept behind this tribute system is that Concord uh, has acknowledged the fact that they don't have control anymore, and so they want to begin to reward Capsuleers for doing basic work. And so the idea was is that Concord was going to offer some sort of alternative reward for the first dungeon uh, completion timer that you complete during the day. There's going to be four tiers to it based on the difficulty of the thing. So if you do like a level one mission, it'll be a tier one. If you do a level four mission, it'll be a tier four. If you do like a null sec exploration site, that might be a tier three, might be a tier four, depending on how it all susses out. Whatever. But either way, they said that bottom line, the reward was going to be basically the equivalent of doing one additional site. So if you do your first level four was worth approximately twice as much as a normal level four. And she suggested that or, you know, it was suggested that this would be, um, you know, potentially some some uh, side reward for uh, from Concord. Although not like a direct reward. So like either like LP or I thought it was going to like have other rewards like the uh, the battle suit. There's one of the battle suits like there's the SOE battle suit that we've seen. But there's actually four different battle suits that have been found or five. And one of them has the Concord logo on it. And as soon as I saw that, I thought that I, I thought, OK, well, that's going to be one of the tribute rewards. And so they had this really well fleshed out system. And so to compare that versus what you see now is is very disheartening. I was just talking to somebody a day ago about how there wasn't some kind of reward system for, for PVPing. Like they still, right now we still have a kill board that's a third party thing that doesn't even include healers or uh, logistics ships. So, so this creates bad habits of everybody wanting to get in on the alpha strike. Uh, and the game really can't diversify until they start dealing with how to reward players. And this seems to be kind of what we were talking about but it seems it's more like well it, it just seems like it's over uh, compensating for doing very little of well, pve well that, that, that actually brings in like a really interesting sort of idea because if anything the last month has shown is the thing that gets people logged in into the game because we passed 40k uh users the first time in quite a while um, because of the war. And it, it's people undocking and shooting other people. And we know that we can track the stats of logistics. And we can know we can track the stats of how to shoot because you can log into those websites that give you all your yearly stats. So why isn't that part of the tribute system? Well, to be fair, like when this was first being discussed, it was important that they wanted to... And this is what's blows my mind because it was like oh they wanted to make sure that you're actually out and doing something and not just able to game something but if it's just a single rat like what is even the point at that point like if you're yes. going to make them do a dungeon which yes you know some of you aren't familiar with that kind of terminology but it, in the background they actually <laughs> What's a dungeon? Sites as dungeons well no they like actually like in the the design of it they they refer to them as dungeons and rooms and whatnot but either way um, you know, the first site that you complete for the day, if you have to go out and actually do something, then you're actually out there being content for somebody. But if it's just I undock in a, like a destroyer and go shoot a, a belt rat and then go home, like you haven't done anyone any good at all. Well, what if it what if people, you know, what if the first step to getting involved is just breaking that undocking, you know, 
moment. Once you're out there, you kill something, you're like, oh, okay, I can hang out a little bit longer. I, I would love to see the data that shows that the primary problem is that people are playing Eve, but then not undocking. Like, I think that you can solve that puzzle in a much more creative and interesting way. And mind you, I, I'm not saying that SP is a bad reward. I think it's a great reward. Absolutely. I think that it should be like, okay, if you do it for a week straight, then there's like an SP reward at the end of that. Like the, like the first couple of days might be ISK, maybe, you know, maybe even a little bit of Aurum, maybe a little bit of LP, you know, like just mix it up. Have a complex, robust system. Don't just have... You know, go out, shoot one guy, collect bacon, go home, and well, you have to do that. Because here's the problem. When you calculate SP like that, it isn't about how much you get. It's now a percentage of your possible SP gain is now attached to whether or not you are willing to to log in daily to shoot one rat and then stop. And that is a very troubling thing when it comes to, you know, as opposed to um, you know, buying somebody else's effort, which is what skill injectors are, or putting in the effort yourself, or optimizing your effort through the purposes of attributes. Those are all, you know, strong rewards to strong uh, commitments towards your character. But the idea that now a significant portion of my progression is going to be whether or not I have decided to log in daily, that troubles me. I I have no problem with the use of skill points in this. I think that we've already kind of crossed the Rubicon in terms of what, what we think of skill points at this, you know, at this point. I, I'm just looking at it just seemed for 10,000 skill points, which is somewhere between, I think, three and a half and seven hours. OK, worth of worth of train time. I just feel like maybe you need to shoot more than just a, right. one of anything. Yeah, it needs to be. And yeah, and. You guys were already saying it needs to be across the board, so it's not just only for PvPers or only ratters. It's finish a mission if you're a mission runner, kill a ship or, or attack a ship if you're a PvP or to have something with mining, have something with industry like production. Yeah, I say why not have make more content, more fun, more engaging. But it needs to have some. Them to, yeah, yeah, it needs to be some kind of effort to where you are actually. Uh, you know, doing something as opposed to just, you know, spending a one minute long detour and then you just log back out and go back to what you're doing somewhere else. Additionally, people are bringing up that this is optional and there's a problem with that argument, which is that um, we have proven, and by we, I mean people who study the game, you know, game universe, or, you know, the way that MMOs work, is that if you make an option uh, to increase progression people will see it as a requirement right especially if that option is based on just additional work we saw this quite a bit in world of warcraft and what ended up happening was because you could run the raids two to four times a week people were feeling that they were forced to run those raids two to four times a week in order to maintain pace with their colleagues and thus the raid was basically burning out to those players to, to to like huge amounts of times quicker because they were being that they were forcing themselves to do this thing that ended up burning them out so you know just saying oh it's optional it is but you're basically saying well do you want to suck or not and and i think that if you tie it that clearly 
it becomes a little bit too strong of that psychological, you know, force. Hey, Dr Drayden, can you whisper? Because for some reason or another, I cannot. Can you whisper to uh, to Jane out there uh, the the team speak details? Because yeah. if he's got some answers that he can maybe give. Yeah, and I've done a lot of ranting, so I'm I'm going to actually not rant for a little while and let other people rant. All right, um, Dominarch, I see you uh, uh, wrestling with the uh, natives in chat. Are there any uh, any comments in there about this stuff? No, the, the, rest, the natives I'm wrestling with in chat are my idiot kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah, so this just yeah, this just came out today. Um, at first, I saw some mentions of it out there, and I kind of had a general idea of what I thought it was. It wasn't until later that I went and actually read the little bit of details that that are out there, and I went, I went, really, for that? Ah, oh, come on. Yeah. Well. While we wait for him to come in, um, actually, I want to continue and actually move away from this topic. We'll come back to it, um, and we're going to talk about there war. Is. The oh, that war. Was quick. Oh, so we have Jane in here. Jane, uh, is it Pidlin? Philin. Pidlin. Pidlin. That. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. yep. Yeah, welcome oh, to the show. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I just hold on, Jane. Jane is a on. CSM member, and I uh, just want to uh, give us information on what we were just talking about. Yeah, well, I just tuned in at the end here, so I don't know how thorough the discussion has been. But uh, uh, so this uh, discussion about the whole dailies mission thing, you know, they do yep. it in dust, and they've been talking about it for a while. And it came up, uh, the largest discussion we had at it was at the summit this past February. So it was Team Astro Sparkle uh, was this team specifically working on it, as well as CCB Rise, since, you know, you know that he saw the, uh, or he made the initial post announcing this. Now, the things that this should be framed in is that this is not a final product. This is very much a test to see uh, what it does. Because as you guys know, when they removed the like 24-hour or like one skill or 24-hour skill queue, you know you could set these huge long trains like 300 days. Whatever I don't know what the max is. It's like 50 skills, and that would, however long those skills are. So by removing that requirement, there was no real reason for an individual to log into the game. And they suspected that this caused, you know, some people to just stop logging into the game at all, you know, stop playing, stop logging in and interacting with the environment or with the other people in the game. So this is one of the goals, is to increase the amount of people logging in on a daily basis. Now, again, you were speaking, I caught it, that uh, right now, Skill Points is only focused for, I think it's Killing One Rat is this initial version. And this is, again, just for the test phase. Once they actually release the full... Uh, or at least what they're planning to, uh, based on the results of this test, which is very much a test, not a released product. Um, and once they do that, they definitely include it in things like completing missions, you know, mining. But just killing a single NPC is a very simple task that for the initial iteration of this design is quite easily implemented so that they did not have to build an entire complicated structure. I think you were also talking about, like, you know, weekly buildups. This is another thing that was discussed. Uh, and that they want to look into doing, but for a very simple test on the live server to see if it has any effects on like ECU or player engagement, this is what they've gone with. So my question is, what what happened from Vegas? Because you were at Vegas too, I know you were, right? So, I mean, I'm I don't know if you heard what the original proposal was, but that's a big you know. question. Say again. 
that's a big question for Jane. I saw him all over the place in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> might, might want to narrow that down. I was going to say, I don't remember the evenings in Vegas, but yeah. I'll tell you most of them. Well, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. This exactly. panel is no. specifically during the day, but no, uh, like they, we talked about, we were introduced to the tribute system then, and it was a much more robust system, and it involved Concord and you know all this other stuff. So I, I guess I was just like, is there a reason why have they have they run into problems and so they've had to like strip it down to its basic component or do you have any idea what's going on uh you know there's this thing that everything takes more time uh more developer hours than we expect you know like we laugh that it takes them you know how long to implement seemingly simple things but you know look at the like the actual developer time that they have you know they don't want to waste developer hours creating a robust tribute or reward system when they're working on things like making soft better making capitals this isn't their focus and i think the fact that they've released a you know an incomplete system for the purpose of you know ab testing or getting players feedback i think this really shows that they do care about where they're investing their dev hours and i think that more than anything has been the real motivator for them to do this you know experiment with very little meat to the tribute system on the initial release you know, we haven't really had serious discussions, at least in CSM CCP channels, outside of uh, this most recent summit where it was, you know, brought up to us with Team Master Sparkle and CCP Rise. So, is is the current expectation um, to release it as it currently is, or are you you're saying that this is early in testing and whatnot, and that there's all these other plans? Are there is this an, a very early thing and it will evolve before it hits singularity or tranquility or is this something that's coming to tranquility and then there's going to be another pass later? Well, this is the one of the things that you can't really test this because what they're not trying to test is like they don't care if it's a mechanically sound system. What they care about is 10k SP too much? Is it too little? Do people not like SP? You know, is the community going to react terribly? Like, do the bitter vets really want these new players who are actually logging in not to get this reward? So, this is something that cannot be tested on Singularity because a skill point reward on Sissy of 10k a day isn't going to get a reaction. What, like, it, the test here can't happen on Singularity because they need to do, like, they're testing group psychology, essentially, and that needs to be done uh, on the live server. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, no point building a very large system for TQ if it's not going to have the desired impact. You know, and are the are the rewards correct? Are they structured? Is it too simple? Is it too like this? Is, these are all things that they're, they're looking at. So uh, we need. I think what we need to do is we need to spread the word now. When this comes out on tranquility and it's kill one NPC for ten thousand, nobody should do it. We should basically all hold back until they get it up to about fifty, sixty thousand. No. <laughs> I thought you were hold out for more. <laughs> hold out for more. Don't jump in and on uh, in on it at ten thousand people. Negotiate. You got power. Yeah, you all. You all go ahead and boycott the system. I promise you, I will too. Don't watch my API. <laughs> <laughs> I got your backs. Well, you know, no, no line crossers. I I think that you know this was my rise. This is not his first rodeo at posting. You know, at posting. Kind of proposals out there um i think some of what jane said right there probably should have been included in this you know like a part of me you know rise knows this <laughs> it's, like you said it's not his first radio and i think he didn't specifically because he wondered you know is it going to turn into a thread knot is there going to be outcry you know if he did say that maybe there would be less of an outcry and you don't get this uh you don't get people's true thoughts so you know i can't tell what's going on in rise's head and that's one of the reasons that i wanted to jump on is because there was no indication 
uh, in the announcement thread that, you know, there was, like, if you just read the thread in a bubble and it's like a closed environment, you know, it seems like there was no warning about it, there was no discussion about it, it's like, you know, what the f*** are you doing? So they didn't really communicate this as well as they could have, maybe that was on purpose, maybe not, but, uh, you know, I do think, I do honestly think that this is uh, the right decision. I think, you know, I think dailies implemented you know, this version of dailies that they're doing with the test. If they implemented this and said, finish product, I'd be like, what the, what the hell are you guys doing? But, you know, they're, this is a step towards a finished product system like the one that is implemented in Dust or, you know, <laughs> was ripped up. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Dust daily system was like a seven day progression. And I suspect, I strongly suspect that they'd be going towards a system like that as opposed to, you know, a very boring day at a time thing. But that again is just pure speculation. Hey, Jane, you're, um, you're kind of the lead of Spectrefleet, right? I am indeed. Yeah. So, uh, oh, Spectrefleet, but you're in Triumvirate. Why, why are you guys setting this war out? Why? Oh, this is a. Is this a segue? Is this, yes, is this we're segueing. Uh, oh, yeah, we literally just segued. So I'm why just hand the participating in the war with Spectrefleet? Is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just threw that in as a joke. I know Spectrefleet's well, not sitting this war out. Spectrefleet is not sitting this out. You guys had something like 400 people on. Yeah. I don't know if they were in fleet or in comms, but you had. Why don't you tell us what you had? Uh, the first day that we announced that we would be going to war uh, was, I don't remember which day it was now, but uh, after a big announcement and hype up, yeah, we had 450 people turn up to fleet, 250 in the main fleet and 200 in the overflow, which was, um, to put it one way, absolutely absurd. So, yeah, it wasn't something that I initially wanted to do, but uh, a lot of the other, we had, we were actually in a command meeting and I was like, so what do you guys want to do with Spectrefleet? You know, just a regular meeting. They're like, we want to join this war. I was like, what? Really? Really? We're in PSI, though. And they're like, no, we want to get involved. So we were thinking about ways to get involved. And, you know, we were polling people. Like, you know, we'd have to break neutrality to do this. But there was just so much, you know, positive feedback about people who really wanted to get involved. Because unless you're in, like, a wartime alliance, you cannot participate in this war. And the only way you get to get involved is by reading the propaganda on Reddit or the scope videos or the battle reports or the threads. But, you know, this is the stuff. This is what's actually interesting about EVE. But that's... Nobody plays it for PvE, but there's people who hang out in high sec, and that's what they want to do normally, and they don't want to make the obligation to join, you know, a wartime alliance and participate. So we're catering to those people, and so far, you know, Spectrefleet has seen a 30% increase in both channel uh, population and fleet participation in like five days. So that's, people love it. People love it. That's what fascinated me the most about um, Spectrefleet throwing the hat in, because when the hat was thrown in, I was sat there and went, wait, what? Like, please get involved. How? And then all of a sudden, I was hearing stories about how inflated the channels were all of a sudden and how many people wanted to get involved in the fleets and how many. And I was like, that is amazing. Yeah, the and... highest the channel has been is 1,283 people in oh my channel. God. Like, what the hell? It's, it's absurd. Completely absurd. But that, that doesn't but surprise where do me people because. Come from? Where do these people come from? You know, there's people like, in your Twitch chat right now. I play EVE for the PvE. You know, and those people, you know, some maybe sometimes they just want to get a taste of, like, what is all this big war business around? Like, when you're looking at all the data, like Quant and those guys put out, you know, like, it's, you're talking about PvP players and PvE players. And it's something like 85% of the players in EVE, PvE and high sec. Like, they don't live in NullSec. They aren't a part of these alliances. Spectrefleet is right now the only group that allows those people to get involved in these wars that are actually interesting. Eve PvE is, I don't know, some people like it, but those people don't get a chance <laughs> to actually experience the meat of Eve. And I think we've positioned ourselves in a really unique niche 
you know, and I do regret the fact that we've had to break our neutrality to do so, but I absolutely do not regret providing this opportunity and you know diving into right where the content is actually interesting and people are loving it absolutely uh, loving yeah it. you know this doesn't you one thing. it doesn't surprise you one me thing on that Go ahead. in that when um before spectrefleet got involved and we were going in on fleets and we're like okay these people are here so mark them as blue and these people here mark them as blue and these people here mark them as blue that was a lot simpler as soon as spectrefleet arrived on the scene i was like I can't mark all these guys blue. What the hell am I going to do? Okay, all neutrals off the overview. It's <laughs> been a fucking disaster in terms of coalition coordination <laughs> and whatnot. Oh my god, we've actually had to turn like the war regions into NRDS. So we are no longer <laughs> calling Spiffleet an NPSI organization, which is hilarious since that was like the literally the only thing we did. So now we are a public fleet organization that sometimes does NPSI and sometimes does NRDS. And a lot of the... Uh, can lot can of I the coin lines, one phrase? Yeah, can go I ahead. Can I coin one phrase? It's N-G-S-I. Not, Not green shoot it? No, what? hang on. That's wrong. N-G-D-I. Oh, I don't know. Something well, like that. Not think think about it for the next show, work. Tiberius. Yeah. Uh, start off with not goo. See this? See this? Too many of these. Is... <laughs> yeah, it's two. It's what? Three in the morning for you, so it's okay. It's, I did so want to say, not in the morning to me. how many people... Goon uh, uh, no, is shoot it? There you go. Ch Jane, Jane, how many people were, I mean, was it unanimous that people wanted to fight against the Imperium, or was there a discussion about that? Uh, it was definitely not unanimous. Um, you know, it's because even right now, we've, we're open to everyone technically, so even if a goon wanted to join a Spectre fleet, they'd be allowed to. Of course, they would be shooting against their own alliance, and then the other kind people... Kind of cannibalistic, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, like, it wouldn't work, is what I'm trying to say, even though they're not explicitly banned. Um, sorry, what was the question? I've completely gone off what, Why? Why are you on the uh, money money badger side? Oh, why are we on the money badger side? Yeah, is that where everybody wanted to be, or? Yeah, in terms of getting involved in the war, should we get involved in the war? It was about a sixty forty split, sixty in favor of, and which side? It was about ninety percent in favor of uh, fighting the, the Imperium. Oh wow, that's pretty yeah. significant. Whoa. So of, of course those are straw polls, so they could easily be manipulated, but. Uh, you know, we run a couple of them just in case somebody manipulates one. We assume they're not going to manipulate the other. So those statistics could be swung. But it was about 60-40 in favor of getting involved in the war. And that means, like, breaking Spectre Fleet's neutrality. And then, you know, if we joined the war, 90% said, uh, you know, join the Money Badger Coalition side. So. so we'll go another, like, five minutes. It's okay to go over. I don't think anyone's behind us. So is that okay with everyone? Keep going. Yeah. So are you getting SRP for participation? I was uh, somebody... Uh, yes. Yes. Somebody's uh, reimbursing your losses? Uh, yeah, we're getting paid uh, 30 billion isk a week. So that has been going towards uh, SRP. Does that go into like your pocket or do you distribute that? Yeah, it is going into my pocket, yes. Right now we've actually <laughs> paid out uh, 36 billion in the last nine days. So I'm actually having to dip up into personal reserves. It's funny. Uh, SRPing about, oh. you know, a thousand angry nerds every day takes money. But uh, yeah, so that's going towards, uh, you know, there's the slice group that runs their Black Ops fleet. We're, re we're, fun we're trying to just throw as much money as people as possible, you know, because we're in a war and uh, getting involved, I think, is really important because these wars don't come around this often. You know, the last war yeah. was, what, 2013? So I think it's yep. a, a really unique opportunity. And yes, we're receiving money, but... Uh, I'm throwing it away as much as possible, just trying to get people involved and having fun. The, you weren't That's around correct. the last time there was a war like this. This kind of I was, organization. I was very, very new when the Fountain War was going on. But this organization type wasn't around. No, this organization type did not exist in the previous large wars. So, so really, you're kind of the first 
that you're the first pathway for people who aren't already associated to fight in this war without getting like blapped off the field. Yeah, the people who have no stake in this war can get involved with this war. It's it's strange, and honestly, I'm still not 100% convinced that it'll work. It's like we're still in the phase where I'm trying to convince myself. Was this worth the effort? Like, is it really, truly going to work? Like Tiberius was saying, it's a fucking disaster when you get into these, like, thousand-man fights, and I'm just screaming at people, like, please don't shoot me. There's a shit ton of neutrals. They're all Spectre Fleet. And then, of course, I get people who are very inexperienced in PvP in my fleets, and they'll go out and, like, randomly aggress the people that I'm friendly to. And I'm trying to tell the other FCs, like, I have told my guys not to shoot you. Like, you know, if anyone aggresses you from my side, just nuke them. But, uh... Am I allowed to swear on this channel? I'm not sure. But, uh, oh my god, what is this? Open comps? It, yeah. it just did. <laughs> Sorry, not really. But oh, the, yeah, so. I'm, I'm still not sure that NPSI has, or public fleets, I guess, since we're technically NRDS when we're at war. I'm still not sure that public fleets have any place in the war zone. I'm not convinced one way or the other. But what I do know is that I'm having fun and people are having fun, so we're definitely trying to make it work. And that's you, the most important thing. Can you get back to neutrality after this? Do you think you Absolutely. can? We're gonna try. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> this is precedent setting. I don't know. Yeah, depends, depends on how depends mad on how people are. Better the goons are. Yeah, like yeah. we probably alienated ourselves from a very large portion of the player base by doing this, and I don't know if that will have negative ramifications down the road. I couldn't tell you. Well, it also depends on how effective you are too. Yeah, I, I mean there are, there are obviously it's... a number of things that are different about this war than than previous wars. One of them is the ability for non-purple shooter fleets. Um, to get involved, A, because they exist now and they really didn't in previous wars. Um, but the other thing is, you know, also the coverage of this war in general. Um, and again, today we had another, we had another scope video come out. That was today, right? Yep. Yep. Well, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, Eve time. Today, you know. Hours it's all relative. Time, yeah. Um, and and I, I thought it was a very even-handed um scope report it did it did not get involved in the in, in the war name game which i'm hearing is actually being pulled back a little bit on ccp's side you may not see world war b being uh being uh plastered on their yeah, on their might stuff be the war. well, well I mean, to be fair they they kept going because they they had like a plan like that was a three-stage process where they had the they had the page, and then they had the announcement, and then they had the 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 images, and so that that narrative had to kind of play out regardless of what kind of reaction it had in the meantime. And then now that they have like their second volley, they they've obviously said, well, okay, fine, we won't use that, you know, whatever. Now if they continued to use it, it definitely would be doubling down. But at the time, you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, they doubled down. Well, no, they didn't. They just continued. They just had their marketing plan that played out over the course of the weekend, right? Yep. But yeah, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a good video. I thought it was uh, you know you know pretty even handed, um, you know in in what it was reporting. And again, I'd like to see the you know how current they are in keeping up with this. Again, a first time. All pa all previous wars, it, things were so dated by the time they got around to you know really doing anything on their own. Who, who was it that does the uh, scope videos again? It was um, Loki, I think. Yeah, CCB Loki. Yeah, I mean, when he was doing them on a weekly basis, he could turn them out. He could really push them out very quickly. Um, so I think a lot of them are going to be pretty current. 
Well, I think that um, you end up seeing, like having studied the scope videos for like the last year, you, you kind of see a pattern. You can tell the difference between kind of low effort videos, um, where most of it is just kind of in-game video that can be captured really, really quickly and, you know, not that much fancy stuff. But what you're seeing here with like the custom graphics and things kind of, you know, happening and the painting of the Matani and like all that's work. Like that is a really high quality production. But that just reflects, I think, the enthusiasm of the player base as well, because not only are we getting it's the player base getting really energized by the fact that this big war is going on. The the developers are like getting really energized by the fact this war's going on because they're watching it and they're just watching this thing play out and they can see it from the server and it's just it's just great. Yeah. I just love how it's engaged so many people on so many levels. Jane, are you gonna take Sob? Well I have Sob with Triumvirate. It's not from Sob. <laughs> Uh, you know, we tried to make a Spectre Fleet Alliance at one point because there was a lot. This is, again, one of the ideas that came to me. I was like, eh, but, you know, a lot of people were like, we should do it. I was like, oh, I'm not going to swear. See, I caught myself that time. <laughs> I'll believe uh, you. Don't you know, they're like, we should do it. And we tried it. We made an alliance, made a corp, and then yeah, it fell apart. And so, you know, lessons learned. We're never going to do a Spectre Fleet Alliance again. Never going to, you know, try and take Sov for NPSI. You know, there's a lot of alliances, like Slice specifically. Uh, when they first started out, were very heavily affiliated with Spectre Fleet and took a station and freeported it and welcomed Spectre Fleet. But uh, you know that's as close as Spectre Fleet will ever get to holding Sov is having you know affiliated alliances holding Sov that they in turn freeport for our use. You're welcome to our our Sov. You can come to space with Sov. Actually, no, you're no, the no. only podcast that holds Sov, aren't you? Yes, we are. Where's your Sov? Delve. How many? Uh... I'm still, still going to come and take it. <laughs> How many systems you got? We're down to one. <laughs> I had an entire oh. constellation for a while. Well, you guys are busy. There was a question. It was an effort to prove that um, so, the sub was actually was easy for you know for small groups because I did that all by myself. Well, or I've helped some uh, after we got it going, but that was about it. And the other guys helped defend it. But well, all right. Uh, you guys have any last questions? If not, we'll move into your little soapbox. Jane, we'll, we'll let you say any last thing. How can people get involved with the, uh, your organization or something? Oh, well, I won't soapbox too much. I just uh, greatly appreciate you guys letting me come on and clear the air. You know, I love working with CCP on CSM. I really, truly think that the CSM you know, has its uses and has done a good job this year, despite the drama it's caused. I just wanted to make sure that people had the best information they could about CCP's intent with the daily. So I appreciate you letting me come on. Uh, again, I'm Jane. I'm part of Triumvirate Alliance that is currently part of the NBC as well as uh, I run Spectre Fleet, uh, Eve's largest public fleet organization that uh, anyone and everyone is welcome to join. So thanks for having me on. Thank you, actually, for bringing that information. Tiberius? I got nothing. Like eight, be <laughs> eight beers down the line and two cans of Red Bull and I've got nothing. Wow. Um, That's a lot of mixed messages for your body. I know. It, it doesn't know whether it wants to go to sleep or stay up or what. It's confu <laughs> all confused to hell. <laughs> Drayden, you have any, uh, just anything the, you want to rant about? Uh, not anything really to rant. I'm really excited for the Citadels. Uh, can't wait to be involved in something that goes to shoot one. Uh, even though I feel probably the first thing that will happen is I'll be defending one. And other than that, I mean... Are you guys I'm, getting beat I'm, up in, uh, in Bastion? How's it feel? Uh, I don't know. I, I, 
it's it doesn't feel as much like Bastion fleets going out when I go on fleets. It's just kind of overall uh, CFC or Imperium fleets. So. Yeah, we take her. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, right now you've got the you've got the coalition that's pulled back to Saren and, and fighting as the coalition, right? So it it doesn't feel like you know any one alliance is getting beat up. Although you can sit there and say, oh well, yeah, have we watched Space Fall or whatever? Sure. But right now it's all about you know either one for all, or there won't be one. But um, no, I don't really have any. Uh, I don't have any shoutouts. I don't really do shoutouts. No, these aren't shoutouts. <laughs> I don't like shoutouts either. Don't do this is Soapbox. This is where you get to say I'm really mad about something. I would have said that during the show. <laughs> you did, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ash, you got any last words? Well, I mean, you, you, one of my major pet peeves right now is was a topic earlier, so uh, I'm not going to rant about the, the new tribute that we've seen again. Uh, but I will say that uh, Dreaded is recruiting. I'm having a lot of fun. And um, let me think. I guess FanFest is coming up soon. We are on the hydrostatic side. Uh, like I said before, we, we've now released a swarm of new content. If you guys are interested in the Valkyrie lore, um, you know, for those of you who haven't been paying attention to all this lore, there's a whole other game that was released. Um, so we the Valkyrie update that was put out, which basically breaks down the uh, the story of the Garistas and Ron Covet, um, and uh, you know the the Valkyrie backstory. And we also just released a lore panel where we talked about Upwell and and uh, the Amar and all that stuff. And hopefully, I will be recording with the very uh, grand Elizabeth or Liz. She's a writer on the TMC, and uh, she's really big into lore and Amar. And with the FanFest approaching, we're going to be working on a kind of a FanFest lore survival guide for the Amar the tournament. So look for that soon. Oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth you're talking about her. Yeah, yeah. Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she writes some good stuff. She Dominar. writes amazing stuff. Can I say oh, your name got... right, finally? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got no <laughs> rants. I, I love everything. So. Um, I, just, Save... I guess I'm in a position where I, I like seeing CCP being involved, making changes. And it seems like at least now that they're not afraid to change things when it's not going right. Because they're, you know, for a while, a few years ago, it was, you know, they put something out. It's like, well, there you go, tough shit. And now at least they'll uh, fix mistakes. I'm, I'm glad to see that happening. So, probably two years too late, but whatever. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, and if you guys out there uh, haven't caught uh, Clue of Space Nerds, it's a great and very funny podcast that's been around for a while. How many years yeah, now? Hey, I did. Uh, three it has me in stitches, that show. Three, yeah. Every single time I watch it, I'm just in stitches. I listen to it, I'm in stitches. Well, yeah, we're not, not smart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Matt. I just try, I, I do have one shout out, and that is to you, because this week, we got the sound right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I haven't seen anybody out there complaining about too high, too low, can't hear nobody for 40 minutes. It only took two hours of prep work. That's what we're totally doing every hours. show. Only totally two hours. <laughs> yeah, I really want to apologize for blasting everybody's eardrums. Uh, and it didn't help that Scion was very quiet, so he would draw people in, and then I would just come in and destroy everybody's eardrums. <laughs> uh, if we're done, I have one last thing to say. I got one thing too, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, you go I first. I just want to say thanks for uh, uh, having me on. I didn't have a great time, so appreciate it. That's good. Thanks for bringing up some of the questions from the audience, too. That was great. I have uh, uh, one thing to say as well. Yeah, go ahead, Tiberius. 
I'd like to uh, give a shout out to my friends in uh, the Drone Walkers who managed to find Razor and camp them in the station with Procures. <laughs> so thanks everyone for sticking around that, uh, this late. Really appreciate it. We'll hope to have a great show for you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good night. You. And we're out. So is CCP Larkin real? Eight hours ago, apparently, he posted that when Titans die, they're going to do damage. Damn it, why didn't you bring that up on the show? Because it literally just got posted to me.